Welcome back to Friends Like Us. Marina Franklin here, your host. This week on Friends, we're talking about the F word and reclaiming feminism with the women from the Women's Fund of Greater Milwaukee. Welcome new friend, Marilka Velez. Marilka is the board of chair of the Women's Fund of Greater Milwaukee. Her work with the fund aligns her passion for equity, education, and opportunity for the women with an organization that finds and creates those opportunities in Milwaukee. Marilka has been recognized as 2021. Milwaukee Business Journal 40 Under 40 for her commitment to inclusive leadership both in the workplace and community. She consistently helps board directors strategize and navigate to advance the organizational mission, and she remains committed to enhancing the brand, expanding the number of supporters, and encouraging more people to get engaged on their own journey of advancing equity for women. Marilka was very encouraging for me as I give this presentation tomorrow for the Women's Fund of Greater Milwaukee. Also help me welcome Lisa Antonito. Lisa is Executive Director of the Women's Fund of Greater Milwaukee since November 1st of 2016. Lisa has extensive experience in organizational management, board governance, staff development, budget creation, and oversight, along with brand development and engagement. Her career includes senior positions with several well-known best-in-class nonprofit organizations. She has a growth mindset and believes strongly in building brand experiences that reflect the culture and mission of the entity while supporting the strategic goals. Let me tell you, Lisa is awesome. They're both amazing women and how encouraging it is to have women that want to include you in the conversation in the way that you want to include yourself. It's a real personal journey, that feminism. I want to thank all of our listeners of Friends Like Us. Because of you, we make some pretty impressive lists. You can hear us on Google Podcasts Now, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts. Review and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe. Make sure you turn on the auto-download function for Friends Like Us for Apple Podcasts. You can email us at friendslikeuspodcasts at gmail.com. Instagram is friendslikeuspodcasts. And Twitter is friendslikeus10. Become more than a friend. Leave us a tip donation just go to our patreon page go to patreon backslash friends like us special shout out to those patreon friends it's because of you we keep going and now for our golden friends you have the option to watch our recordings live backstage just go to patreon backslash friends like us and be golden merch is available we have t-shirts hoodies coffee mugs face masks and tank tops they're all available just go to marinafranklin.com weekly on my youtube channel i go live with my assistant evelyn frick my wacky friend dave juskow we give updates to the show we shout out fans who leave reviews and we have surprise guest friends from the podcast stop by and sometimes we even offer free stuff like tickets to comedy shows and with friends like us it'll help you feel not so alone because more content is on the way tell a friend you know to check us out stay safe wash those dirty little hands wear a mask still if you want to get vaccinated booster up and black lives matter very special guest for you. I am attending an event tomorrow, actually, after this episode is, it's live right now. You're listening to it tomorrow in Milwaukee. I am reclaiming feminism for the Women's Fund in Milwaukee. Lisa, can you speak to what the Women's Fund in Milwaukee, what they do? What is their goal? Thank you, Maria. It's wonderful to be here with you. Uh, the Women's Fund of Greater Milwaukee is one of 15 women's funds in the state of Wisconsin and loosely connected with women's funds and foundations across the country and the world. What we're trying to do is address the inequities that face women. So we're trying to um, level the playing field. We're trying to eliminate barriers. We're trying to create a place and a space for women so that they can thrive and, you know, everyone, everyone benefits. So our official, um, the Women's Center of Greater Milwaukee has an official purpose. It is um, to activate philanthropy to advance equity for women. And we do that in three ways. We provide grants to area organizations doing systems change work. We provide scholarships to women age 35 or older. And most importantly, we convene community 
And this Women's Fund Presents event, where we've invited you to participate, is our largest educational event of the year. What? Most important, you're paying Marina Freeland. <laughs> Thank you for supporting this this Black woman right here. Yes. Um, we and are I also, all about supporting women. I also read is we create conditions leading to equity for women, as you've said, and girls through changing attitudes, behaviors, and culture. What attitudes are you changing? Well, in this situation, we hope that everyone that attends will walk away with a better, deeper, greater, broader understanding of feminism. And then we hope that they carry that new or different or expanded understanding of feminism to their, to their neighborhood, to their circles, to their workplaces. So that, you know, they can create a ripple effect that's got people talking about feminism, maybe in a more modern, more inclusive, more broader sense and, and not so narrow. Wonderful. And this is a perfect time to bring Marilka Velez. What brought you to being a part of the Women's Fund? Like how long have you been there and what do you bring to the organization? Yeah, thanks for um Thanks for having me, Marina. And I'm so excited. I'm such a fan of yours. And so it's exciting to be here. So yeah, I am the board chair of the Women's Fund of Greater Milwaukee. And so that's a that's a volunteer role in addition to my day job. But what really brought me to the, the Women's Fund is, well, 2016. Uh, 2016, I went on the March on Washington. And uh, that was actually the first March I had ever attended in my life, which says a lot about... Um, you know, the opportunities I've had in my lifetime, the shoulders that I stand on, that uh, that was the first time in my lifetime when I really felt, you know, my rights as a woman uh, in jeopardy and really a risk of, uh, you know, things are not going the way that uh, I thought they were going as far as, you know, one of my dreams in life is to leave this world a better place for women and girls. And I found it and it was overwhelming, right? So I, I go to this march, million, millions of women, and people from all backgrounds. I mean, it was definitely an intersectional uh, <laughs> protest. And I come back to Milwaukee and I'm like, okay, I got to do something. Um, but it's overwhelming, right? Where do you start? Where do you join the movement? And uh, the universe answered that question and introduced me to the Women's Fund. And uh, I've been here about five years now and I, you know, I kind of haven't looked back. So I'm the board chair now, but I kind of worked my way up to <laughs> to that role through um, through some different committees and involvement with the Women's Fund. That's wonderful. It's always like that. What is the catalyst for making you get involved, right? Um, were there some things that were challenging as part of being this being a new movement? You know, sometimes you, you join organizations or you join a fund and you find things that you need to help, like really help to bring inclusivity to it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think... You know, I was, um, as a Latina, I have always been advocating for um, Latinos in Milwaukee and have been involved in professional organizations that have really focused on, you know, scholarships or career development or networking opportunities for Latinos. But I think, you know, the challenge was that is great and I'm going to continue advocating for my community, but there's the community of women right now and and where where do I go uh, where do I channel this energy in a productive way, <laughs> um, you know, into something that's that's happened that can make change here locally in Milwaukee. And so for me, that's kind of how I broke it down was it was overwhelming to know where to start. And so I was like, OK, where can I start locally? Um, I recognize there's a national movement, but where what can I do that's that's impacting my community directly. Because I, I know a lot of times, even on my show, I speak with women of color. My my slant is always black women with feminism. And I always wonder where Latino women stand with feminism, how difficult it may get. Or culturally, it could be just, it's a different conversation. Is it not? I think it is and it isn't, of course. I can't speak for all Latinas. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think that there's there's definitely a movement I have seen in um, with Latina feminism too, of, um, you know, maybe, maybe they weren't as far along. And that's like one of the things we talk about with the intersectionality of the feminist movement of like, where were white women at in the feminist movement, where are black women, where are Latina women. And I've definitely as a Latina seen a lot of empowerment coming in this movement. And I think that wave in 2016, right. And specifically seeing people put in power that, uh, you know, straight up saying, 
bad and negative things about about Latinos. Um, but I, I think I've seen those movements, right? Like the there's a Mujeron podcast, there's the Poderosas, uh, you know, T-shirts that I see. And so I think it's 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 definitely exciting to see that, you know, and I, I guess I see that all as all a part of the journey. Um, but, you know, that's that's one thing that I saw out in the Women's March in Washington is that it wasn't just white women. It was women of every color. It was men. It was the LGBTQ plus community that showed up, right? I think there's this recognition that the feminist movement really is about all women and we need to acknowledge that um, and we need to support all women. Um, so yeah, so, um, it's exciting it, to see the momentum coming from different groups. But I think ultimately too, we've got to, we've also got to come together, right? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And that's why I thank you so much for like having me come there and speak because I am curious in Milwaukee, what are some of the current problems that exist for women in Milwaukee? Lisa? Yeah. So I, I think, I think as women, we recognize that, that the issues that face women are broad and multifaceted. Um, I think also the intersectionality of our identities as additional layers to being a woman in today's society. And I think Milwaukee mirrors much of the rest of the country as it relates to what are the issues facing women. And then on top of it, we have, um, you know, some really ugly statistics and ugly data points for um, subsets of women, whether you're talking about black women like yourself or Latina women like Marilka, there are the same issues and some that are exasperated, uh, whether you're talking about affordable housing, access to health care, quality education in the public school system, safety, both personal safety and community safety, uh, opportunity for uh, a livable wage and career opportunities at, at all levels of education. I mean, it's, it, I think it's a really difficult time to be a woman. And at the same time, it can be a very empowering time to be a woman. You know, we want to be curious about what would society look like if all women came together and sort of wove a stronger fabric for the community? What would the community look like if we did address the issues to make this a region of choice by and for women? What would that look like? And what needs to change in order for us to get there? It's been the kinds of the questions that we've been asking ourselves at the Women's Fund. This, today, we're recording this on Election Day where people are voting. How, Lisa, how are you feeling? Do you feel optimistic or do you feel disappointed? I mean, I've been watching Bloomberg News pretty much all morning. I, I see where things are going. Where do you think Wisconsin, Milwaukee is, is going? Hi, <laughs> Marina, that is, that is the elephant, right? If we, could, if we could see the elephant and describe the elephant in the room, that would be it. Um, I think all the polls have given us all kinds of hope and all kinds of um, challenge in our thinking. I, I just, I, I want to be hopeful that people feel that their vote matters. I want to feel hopeful to people going to the polls to actually cast their votes. I hope that people can feel like they are a part of this democracy, whoever they are, wherever they live, because I, I really feel like the democracy depends on everyone voting and everyone participating, no matter your affiliation, party affiliation, or desired candidate. But I think in the last um, eight or nine, ten months, maybe the last year, we've talked about not only voting your values, but voting the values of the community that you want to live in, so that people are voting with the interest of their neighborhood and, and the, the whole people of the community, and not just a sliver. So I'm, I'm hopeful that people engage. And Marilka, how do you feel? Uh, fear. I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, I want to, I have all the same optimism that, that Lisa has, um, you know, and we share in this and obviously in being, uh, so involved in the women's movement and the importance of, you know, using our voice and voting with our feet. Um, you know, I think what I'm optimistic is regardless of the outcome, you know, we are anticipating record turnouts here in um, Wisconsin and in Milwaukee. And, you know, I, I saw I saw the turnout even on my way to work today. So that was exciting. You know, I was waving as I'm driving by different polling stations on my commute in today. So 
um, I'm optimistic in that as well, but I'm, I'm, I'm also very fearful because, um, you know, what, if, if, uh, things turn in the other direction, you know, what does that mean for the women in Wisconsin? What does that mean for the generation of women that are coming behind me? Um, you know, having less, potentially less access to, to healthcare, um, and, and, uh, less access to voting and being able to elect and hold accountable people that represent, uh, people that look like me. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I'm nervous. I'm, I'm staying away from the news. I got to tell you, I got a big, big old knot already in my shoulder and I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of staying away from it today. Cause I gotta, I, I'm here with you and I got a big day here with you. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it'll be an interesting speech for me. Cause by then we'll know more. And I do know that in Wisconsin, I'm not clear, you know, I always do my homework, but then I do remember, I guess I was in Wisconsin, I forget when, and there was, where, oh no, I was in Michigan. That's where I was. I was in Michigan. And look how I say it. I was so, but I know that they were dealing with uh, voting with abortion rights and what where is wisconsin with that i am not sure did with roe yeah. versus so with Wade. Roe, yeah with roe um we had a law that defaulted back to a law we had in the books i think the 1849 law and so their um, abortion is legal in wisconsin right now um regardless of the situation. Um, I think there's some loosely stated if it's, you know, unless it's to save the woman's life, but there's no, there, there's no real protection for, for healthcare workers, of course, because it was in a time, you know, hundred plus years ago. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, that's definitely on the ballot today. It is on the ballot. Yes. And for the first time I've been hearing this and I've been saying it wrong, like, because as I follow everything, I, I keep saying why doesn't the Democrats get their messaging right? Like, why don't they say that? Why don't they talk about the economy? People, you know, this, it's the economy, stupid. But it's like, why won't they talk about what is mattering to people right now, which is money in their pockets? And then I realize, oh, abortion is a part of the economy. Lisa, can you speak to that? I'm not well, making you I an expert, but, you know, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> So I, I, I think, you know, every aspect of, of, of our medical attention is part of the economy, right? I don't have the latest statistic, but I think the healthcare sector is something like 20% of our GDP. And of, so, of course, services provided to women, including abortion services, would be a part of the economy. Um, so I, I think more importantly to me is, um, when you when you talk about abortion services for women, is that it's a complicated it is a complicated situation. It's a complicated conversation that a woman has to have with a with a healthcare provider. It's complicated uh, to understand all the aspects that she's considering when she's having this conversation. And I think for us, precedent more than fifty years we've had this precedent on the book as well as body autonomy have sort of defined our position and our belief in women and, and where things should stand for them regarding their entire health care. And so um, I, I'm, I, you're right, I'm not an expert on the full um, impact of the economy, but I think to Maroka's point when you're talking about a law that's on the books from 1849, you know, what was life expectancy in 1849? What were, what were the medical issues facing women at that time? You know, it's significantly different than 2022. So how can a law that's so old be applied in modern science, modern technology, modern healthcare? Like, it just doesn't fit for me. I just don't understand that. So to Morocco's point, yeah, abortion and healthcare services, body autonomy is on the the ballot in Wisconsin, because if there's a change um, at the governor's um, seat, there will be more legislation passed that restricts the rights of women. So where does the Women's Fund now, do they stay away from being political? Are they not, what's it, what's the word, bipartisan, nonpartisan? I don't know what I'm saying. (laughs) 
Yeah, so, so we're not a, so we're a 501c3 organization, and we don't have the legal right to endorse candidates or um, put out, you know, statements regarding who people should vote for. So I talk about the facts that I understand to be. So we we do have an advocacy committee, and they are wrestling with issues that face women and crafting positional statements from the Women's Fund of Greater Milwaukee that will be um, distributed and used in 2023. Um, but, you know, we have to be careful that we're not violating uh, the 501c3 regulations. But at the same time, I think it's obvious uh, by our communication that we believe in body autonomy for women. And I think people can go to the polls with an understanding of where candidates stand on the issue of body autonomy. I don't think it's a secret, right? People know we people know how how the candidates feel about that. Yes. And how do you feel about that, Maril Mar sorry for <laughs> Marilka. I'm I'm sorry that I <laughs> Yeah, no no no. I've had you, too you much coffee. That's more of what no, it is. It's all good. You're you're getting it. You're getting it. Um uh, agreed that, uh, you know, and I, I, that's one of the things I do like about being part of the women's fund is that it's, it's not a political, um, organization, you know, we're going to take a stand on issues and where the stand will be, our stand is whatever's in the best interest of women and equity, um, and their, their safety, their health, um, their, their ability to lead their ability to, to work the jobs that they want to work and be treated and paid fairly in those jobs that they do their access to education, um, the access of their children to get quality education. So, I mean, as far as the issues, we'll always stand on the side of the issues of what's best for women. Um, you know, but it's, it's not necessarily a political organization. And again, I, I, I like that about <laughs> the women's fund. Um, but we do, you know, we do make an effort to, to stay in, informed. Um, you know, we've done partnerships and panels with the, the League of Women Voters, for example. That was some programming that we did actually on the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment when women got the right to vote. And it was really interesting. We assembled um, uh, a panel as part of a program there where we had someone from the League of Women Voters. Um, we had a historian there. Um, and then we had um, some other panelists. And we had a conversation about, you know, the early feminist movement and the women that were left out of the the right to vote um, at that time um, and the barriers to equity and to fair voting that are happening. Um, so, yeah, so we may not be a political organization, but we're certainly going to talk about the issues um, that that impact women and make sure that we're creating a safe space for for women to learn about those topics, because um you know, one of the things about Milwaukee and some of those ugly facts that <laughs> that Lisa noted before is that um, you know Milwaukee is a segregated city, and so if you if you don't have a job that's bringing you maybe into the urban environment, or you didn't grow up you know with a diverse set of friends and people in your school community, you know it's entirely possible that you can go through life not interacting with people that are different from you. And that's one of the great things I, I love about the Women's Fund is that we're really intentional about bringing women together from all different backgrounds and then creating a safe space um, to share our experiences, uh, free of judgment, but, you know, full of curiosity um, and a desire to to get better and to, you know, meet women wherever they are on their journey as a feminist. I love that. Education is Power, an Afghan refugee woman's rights activist shares her story from Milwaukee students. After changing the lives of thousands of women in Afghanistan, Miriam Durrani is now helping refugees in Wisconsin, her new home. Durrani's passion is education. She overcame adversity in her home country, earning university degrees in law, political science, and business. Did you hear of this story? Mm-hmm. Lisa, yeah. can you speak to that? When you heard this, were you there? Did you see Hillary Clinton give her the award? Or I didn't. I wasn't there. Uh, but when I heard the story and heard about that, I thought you know, she is one amazing advocate for women, right? She's, she's really living her full um, contribution to making paving the way and making the road for women. That's, that's fantastic. And girls, of course. I mean, and how cool that she lives in Milwaukee, right? She she ends up here sort of randomly and now she's continuing her life's work, which is fantastic. Wonderful. Congratulations. Right. 
she she deserves deserves all the accolades that she has been given and more. Yeah, I often wonder being from Chicago, like you were asking me before, how long has it been since I've been home? And I was like, two weeks ago, I went to an Indian wedding. But um, I do remember in Illinois or Chicago being so segregated. I think Chicago is one of the most segregated places. And then Milwaukee, like I think I told you when we were discussing on Friday, the only time I went to Milwaukee was because my grandfather had cousins that I didn't know about it, you know, and we drove all the way there and that's all. And then I think I did a tour with Conan O'Brien in Milwaukee. So I am curious as to the, like you were saying, it's Milwaukee is just as segregated. Like what is the immigrant or what is the population mostly? Yeah. So mostly white. I think in Milwaukee, it, yeah, it's, it is mostly white. I mean, I think we're at like a 40, 50%. And then, um, uh, I think blacks are the next minority population and then Latinos. Um, And then we have a, um, we actually have a pretty large Hmong community here in Milwaukee too. You know, and and as we're saying this, it's like, I I know this is true and you see it, but also Milwaukee's cool as hell. And, (laughs) and when you're out at, uh, our, our deer district, the, you know, this, this new deer district thing that happened. And when, you know, the bucks were in, um, the championship and won the championship and, you know, we have the largest outdoor music festival on our lakefront. Like there are definitely places here in Milwaukee when everyone is coming out and is coming together as a community. And I think that's one of the really cool things that I have seen, at least, especially over the last decade here is this kind of growth and renaissance and, you know, sports happening and arts happening and public art and murals happening. Um, so, I mean, I'm not to say we don't have a long way to go, um, but I think there's this, there's this, there is this cultural richness here, right? Like there's the, the, the Latin district and, um, you know, in our different neighborhoods, I'm, I'm hoping we can start to see that as a strength and, and keep those pockets and keep that culture, but then just also continue to like come together as a community. Um, we're getting, we're getting more of those, those spaces, I guess I'll say. <laughs> now, where should I go when I'm there? Like you mentioned that. So like, what, what's some of the places like I should check out we could just do a whole podcast on just 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 how great milwaukee what's the, is my what's the my, main Mar- one because i know marilka's love letter to milwaukee i mean it, i always I and mean, we were like what should i do i'm like what do you like do you like art do i like house like- music any house music any it's house close music? to chicago <laughs> i'm like i think sh- chicago is your Dancing. destination for house music <laughs> I like house music too, Marina. I go to Chicago for that. <laughs> is there any clubs? Are the clubs open? Is there is because I oh, know yeah, in New York definitely. City the like the dance scene in the city is kind of dead. Everything is moved out to Brooklyn. Oh no, we still have a, a club and a dance scene here. And then based on the type of music that you like, we we could definitely uh, tell you the clubs clubs to hit up. Um, you know, if you like more salsa and Latin dancing music or more. Uh, yeah, more house music. I, I, I have some ideas. I'll, I'll email you. I'll send you. Uh... Okay. What about food, Lisa? You know some food places I can check out while I'm there. Oh wow, we have we have actually a robust food. Um, I mean, we have a great food landscape. We have some gang spears finest uh, chefs. We have a lot of locally owned restaurants by chefs. Uh, we have a wide variety of food. What's from, Milwaukee known for? I forget. I know Michigan. What, it's the cheese. Well, we do have a lot of cheese. And, you know, I think traditionally <laughs> people would say broth and beer, you know, because we're Milwaukee and we have German heritage. But to Marilka's point, I think especially in the last 10 or 15 years, the food scene has become much more reflective of a wider palette and really cool restaurants that have faces. In fact, there are a couple of restaurants um, that people say, oh, I feel like I'm maybe in New York. So, oh, really? Uh, yeah. So I think you're, you're, we've moved a long way past, um, you know, the outdoor grill with some brats on it. Um, we are more sophisticated than uh, I think maybe people would expect in a city of the size of Milwaukee, but there are also some fantastic restaurants that you will enjoy. Wonderful. Okay. Even though I'm trying to lose weight, but that's good. I'm no, I'm not oh, even supposed to talk about it anymore. My, my interns told me I can't talk about diet culture. I was like, oh my God. Okay. They are, they're healthy options, Marina. You, you, they're healthy options. Are there vegan options there? There is a really good vegan restaurant here. Yeah. Called Urban Beats. It's so good. So, and that's not the only one. So yeah, we actually have an okay vegan food scene too. 
Okay, it's on, even though my veganism has been kind of questionable lately. Um, the intersectional activism in post-Roe world. Now, as as a group, you 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 take on books. You do, like you have like a a, a book club. Yeah. So it's so it's interesting, Marina. We celebrated our 35th anniversary in 2021, and coming out of 2021, we had a list of 35 books to read, and. From the 35 books um, that were posted, we had eight or nine board directors and other community leaders offer to facilitate a book discussion. And I will say that um, Hood Feminism by Nikki Kendall, Nikki Kendall, excuse me, was um, the first book that we read as a group. Marilka was our facilitator of that book discussion, and we had a robust discussion around feminism. And I want to say that it was, it was the book and the conversation and our reaction to the conversation that really inspired and informed this Women's Fund Presents event that you're coming to. Yes. Tell me more. What's the, the title of the book is? Uh, this is Hood Feminism by Nikki Hood Feminism. Yes. Which I bought right away after because I, I, I've heard of that book and I haven't read it, but I'm reading it now. So what I took away from the book was um, Mickey's ability to cause people to think wider and broader and deeper around feminism. I think so often feminism can be thought of as pay equity and maybe access to the C-suite or the corporate board. And of course, those are pieces of the feminist movement. But the feminist movement also is much wider and broader than that. It has to include basic needs for all people in the community. It has to mean that people have access to affordable housing and quality food and education and health care. So I really appreciated Mickey's ability to cause people, readers, to think about what feminism means to them. And then how do they see themselves engaging in the feminist movement personally? Which I will be talking about. Because as I've told you, and as I've said, because on the podcast before, I'm like, am I a feminist? And everyone's like, yeah, Marina, you're a feminist. And it, I think that is a necessary conversation for women to have is what does feminism mean for them specifically? And on a personal level, it's very important. Exactly. So do you think of yourself as a feminist? And then what are you doing to activate that feminist perspective? Like, what are you doing with it? Uh, and I, I think it's uh, really important that we talk about the power of philanthropy and the power of money, because a big part of the women's fund history and the women's fund, the women's movement, any women's movement, is also about money and the power money brings. And so I just want to call out the information that the Women Philanthropy Institute at IUPUI um, puts out annually that just 2%, and I want to make note that that's a roundup from 1.9%, just 2% of all philanthropy in an annual year is in direct support of women and girls. Just two. Just two. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Exactly. So where's the rest going? Well, everything else. Religion, edu education, especially higher education, animal, environment, like all the animals. everyone else, we gotta more. take care of the animals. <laughs> I'm joking. Well, and I, you know, I, I, I can appreciate the fact that that there are a lot animals. of animal lovers, and um, I'm sure they're listening. So I'm not suggesting that we should um, not take care of the animals or the environment. I just feel like when women are 51 percent of the population, we maybe could do better to support women directly because we know women face. Barriers. I mean, look at COVID and the, and the global pandemic and, and how, how much that impacted women and in every aspect of her life. And so I think it's important just to think about the money and maybe how philanthropists and feminists leverage their philanthropy for the, for the betterment of women. Specifically. And and I know there are going to be some listeners that are saying, well, what about the rest of the non-binary world? And so, um, you know, we, we, we use women a lot and we recognize that there are barriers and 
systemic issues that face non-binary community members as well. And so we have done programming that talks about the gender expansive people, um, but so often we, we end up in our historical role of addressing the barriers that, that stand in the way for women and girls. And Maralka, what about you? Did you, the book speak to you? Hood feminism, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, hood feminism. I mean, and the, and the sub note to, to hood feminism um, is notes from the women that the movement forgot, or that a movement forgot. And yeah, that really struck with me because I guess, um, I don't know. I mean, I guess I've always identified with the label feminist. Um, and I think this book kind of challenged me, like, like Lisa was saying about, okay, well, the origins of this movement um, was created by wealthy and upper class white women and men. And where do, you know, and certainly I benefited, <laughs> right, from those trailblazers. And I don't want to take away from the accomplishments and the sacrifices um, that were made along the way. Um, but sort of the, the sort of then, then what happened, right? Because I don't think um, the vision has been fully realized. Um, and it made me think about, okay, so being a feminist, that's, that's a label that I'm comfortable with and that I think applies to me. And I think it reflects the values that I was raised by my mom um, in. But then what does that look like and what does that mean, right? And I think as I've been, um, you know, I've had the, my, my parents are both college educated. My parents actually came from Puerto Rico to, um, to Connecticut. My dad attended Yale there. And then we got to Milwaukee because his first teaching job as a professor was um, here at the University of Milwaukee. So, you know, I've had a lot of privilege and access to opportunities and education in my life. And so my take on feminism has been very focused on, um, you know, my, my eye on the boardroom and having a seat at the table professionally in my career and making sure that I'm also mentoring other women and other women of color in my career, you know, and I definitely see, you know, the seats that I'm taking, I very much see it as I'm just warming the seat up next. I'm just warming it up for the next woman who's going to come behind me. Um, but I think Mickey's book and Hood Feminism really made me think about the the human rights issues and really changed my view on, or maybe not change, but expanded my view of feminism to really think about, you know, this is, this is a complex issue and different women in different groups in our country and across the world, they're at a different place in attaining those rights and those opportunities. And some of this just basic stuff, just the basic healthcare and safety um, that other other populations have been able to take advantage of or take for granted a lot longer because of maybe it's your race, but it may just be your socioeconomic position in life as well. Um, so yeah, I, I've been thinking a lot about what does it mean to be a feminist? And as Lisa mentioned, through the advocacy work and the advocacy committee through the Women's Fund, you know, we've been thinking about what is our, what is our platform? What is our framework? And how do we make sure that our philanthropy is directed in an equitable way? We're thinking, of course, about education and all of those topics, but also there's there's also other needs in our community of women. It's just great to hear. It's so good to know that this work is being done with everything that's going on. It's just good to know there are, there are boots on the ground, so to speak. It says here, going back to healthcare, 23.5% of the Mississippi population, they live in a maternal care desert. Are there care deserts in Milwaukee? maternal care deserts, like where women cannot receive care? Do you know where they are? Well, I think that is a loaded question. Well, the reason why is because when you say, are there deserts? Well, now there's one desert that's 72 counties big because now, uh, you know, abortion services are not an option for 72 counties in West, that make up Wisconsin unless the mother's health is in danger. And to Maruka's point earlier, there's no definition or explanation of what that means. How far in danger, at to what level of danger, when in danger, you know, that's just a vague. So when you say, are there healthcare des deserts? Well, yeah, there's one big one, the whole state. Yeah, all right. Um, uh, but at the same time, you know, come I think on now, Lisa. <laughs> Lisa, let me let me tell you exactly what's going on. <laughs> 
So, uh, well, well, the people that know me well know that I, I'm not afraid to share my opinion. So I, love I it. hope you're getting the authentic self. Yes. Um, I think so, that what, what I, what I do want to say about, um, the deserts in Milwaukee is that they do vary. So there are food deserts, there are healthcare deserts, there are education, de- educational options deserts. You know, there are issues that face the city for sure. And, identity, uh, class, economic background, uh, educational attainment personally, all contribute um, to the issues that people face in the community. I don't want to make fun or, you know, ignore them. By all means, we are aware, we are women, you know, and I always say this to people, you know, no one needs to tell us the issues that face women. The women that are sitting at the table at the Women's Fund are living those experiences that we know those experiences as our own. And I think that's what's really great about the Women's Fund, not only in Milwaukee, but really across the country and the the globe, is that these are women coming together to support and address the issues that impact women with an intention of making it better for the greater society. Because, you know, there's, there's an old adage that says if you, you know, if women are doing well in your community, the community will thrive. And... Uh, we really believe that, and I think there are women's funds and foundations across the country that also have that same fundamental value that says we have to take care of the women in our community so that our community can thrive. Now, how many black women are in your organization? Is it how how is it? I know you're in Milwaukee, so like, what what's the percentage, or is it like one? <laughs> Am I going to be representing for black women when I come? <laughs> <laughs> well, we hope there are black women sitting in the audience. Um, oh, I hope so, too, because they are very vocal. And they'll be like, yes, girl. Well, hopefully some other women will do that, too, um, because what you other attendees, because what you say is going to resonate with more than just a, a segment, for sure. Well, black um, women love to speak up. Yeah. So our board of directors <laughs> is uh, we have 17 board directors currently mm-hmm. and approximately a third of them are women of color. Obviously, Maroka has already disclosed that she's Puerto Rican. We do have several women who are black, but we also have an indigenous woman from the Native American community. We have indigenous women that has Hawaiian heritage. Uh, we have someone who's openly a lesbian and lives with a woman as her partner. Um, so, you know, we try to bring all the perspectives. Um, we, following your presentation, uh, we are going to have a local panel discussion, and the women who make up the panel also um, diverse and inclusive. We have the Hmong voice, as Maroka mentioned. We have a very large population of Hmong um, people in Wisconsin, and so we have the CEO of the Hmong Wisconsin Chamber of Commerce as part of our panel discussion, and we have a young Latina who is part of the current DACA program who is going to talk about her experiences as a young woman trying to make her way in this country that she lives in and calls home. So, um, you know, the facilitator of the panel discussion, Monica Shaw-Davidson, is our vice um, board chair. She'll, she'll take over following Marilka, and she is um, of Indian descent from Asia. So, you know, I feel like the Women's Fund does have a broad perspective included in its voice, but there's always room for more. And so we, we hope that more women are inspired to be part of the Women's Fund, not only as board directors, but as committee members, and most importantly, as donors and financial supporters, you know, as philanthropists. Well, I hope my presence there will open some eyes to some of the Black women in the community so they know more about it. Because it may be, you know, I know like for me, I didn't know a lot of what was going on being from Chicago, living in Harlem, New York now. I didn't know about a lot of organizations and community boards and and things until I had a problem. You know, there's always it's when you have a problem that you get involved. But it's, you know, hopefully maybe someone will see me out there. and Oh, I didn't even know about the Women's Fund in Milwaukee. So let me let me go and check it out. Yeah, Um, and I just want to make I I wanted to to add on to that. I just want to say that there is the Women's Funding Network, which is um, our broad association with each other. So your listeners, no matter where they are located, could do an internet search for Women's Funding Network and get to the page with all the members of the Women's Funding Network. 
because there are funds and foundations literally across the country. Yes, um, I have. Yes, in New York, too. Yes. Amazing portfolio of um, funds and foundations really working to the betterment of women. Yes. I, we have one here. I I think I performed for one here at Caroline's in New York City. Yes. I remember doing that with uh, Judy Gold and it was a panel of us and um, it was really great. Now, I want to ask you this because now my young assistant put in this film that I just watched by accident, not even realizing that this was the film she was talking about. I watched it last night. Don't worry, darling. I know this is more of like, what are you watching? And when you watch movies now, there's like, we're all watching now with these eyes. We're like, are they doing the work? Are we still, are we moving backwards? Now, it's interesting because when we talk about these films, like what came out of this article for me was that men need to be included in the conversation on feminism. How, what work does the Women's Fund to include men in this conversation? Yeah, I, I think that's such a great question. And I totally agree with you. I think uh, there's been a lot of conversation in the last couple of years about men being allies and men being sponsors, especially in the workplace. Uh, but I love the idea of men calling themselves feminists. And that's part of the whole, you know, reclaiming feminism. I, in the last several months when I've been talking about feminism and reclaiming it, people are like, yeah, I don't know if I'm a feminist. And I say, why not? What, what, what do you hesitate um, about that word? And they're like, well, you know, I'm not a man hater. Well, well, neither am I. You know, I'm married to a man and I raised two men to become feminist. I, I, that doesn't, feminists are not man haters. Uh, I think, you know, that's a, that's a misnomer, and that's something that was created by the opposition in the 1970s that just has carried forward. And so I think, yes, there is room for men to be feminists. And I think when President um, Barack Obama called himself a feminist, I thought, okay, there we go. It, he just granted every man in America to call themselves a feminist. And we hope they do. I mean, we want men to think of themselves and all gender, um, binary or non-binary people to call themselves feminist because the fundamental component of feminism is that there's equity that gender is no longer a barrier or or something that stands in the way for our you know ability to move forward and grow and mature and develop in our full to our fullest self great maraca oh my gosh you're gonna get me started on this (laughs) (laughs) how do you include men in this in this conversation, I mean, comedians make fun of it all the time. They're like, oh, this guy said he's a feminist. But I think it's important. Yeah, I think like it's what Lisa too. was saying, you have to. Yeah, it is important. And I don't I don't think we should we should mock it at all. I mean, and I think, you know, going back a little bit to what Lisa was saying about, you know, what this event is trying to do to reclaim that word, because uh, when people are saying, like, I'm not sure if I think of myself as a feminist, like. Just, just asking that question of like, why is that, and 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 why and who and why turned that label against women, right? Like, I always think that's a very interesting thing to to examine. Or why wouldn't we want men to be like lovers and uh, supporters and believers in women? Like, I think we want that, right? Um, you know, it's kind of those things of, of breaking that down and I want to have that conversation and certainly, you know, I'm, I want to re repower that label, but, uh, you know, it's obviously everyone's individual choice, which ones they choose. Some people don't like labels and I get that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it is important to bring men into the conversation. You know, I myself have been married for um, 12 years and, and been with the same man for 22 years. And so we've basically grown up together and I don't think it was any secret, uh, when we met that I'm a girl boss. And <laughs> that um, very career focused, and um, you know, along the way, when I think about my, my husband's actually my, I'd say he's my favorite feminist, and he, I think he's got a shirt that says, "Feminist is my second favorite f word." <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you know what I what I think about with him is this idea of you know partnership and being able to be where I am in my career right now because I have someone who's willing to take on things that get in the way of me being able to give my all in at my, my job and my career. Right. And he does that with pride. 
he's good at it and he's proud of the things he does. And I, you know, and he does it well, you know, managing our home, taking care of things. And he's got his own job in his career too, but it's not like he's trying to get some medals, right? I mean, he acknowledges, he's like, yeah, yeah, I can grocery shop and have a job. Like women have also been doing this for a long time. Like, you know what I mean? Like he's not like, <laughs> he takes pride in what he does, but it's not like he doesn't think he deserves any kind of special recognition for, for doing these things. And he's like, yeah, my wife works her ass off. It's the least I could do. You know, and so it's just, it's, I, I think that's a feminist attitude in my home. Uh, and it's all about bringing him into that conversation. And um, I think it is important to to ask how they're feeling and how they're reacting to things. Um, we went and saw a play recently in Milwaukee, which by the way, there's a great, great art scene and great live theater scene in Milwaukee too. Um, and we saw this play at the Milwaukee rep called the wife of a salesman. And it was the, the point of view of, um, a, a different take on death of a salesman. Right. But it was kind of the idea from like the wife and, oh, and wow. there's this whole scene where, um, the mistress from the story, like the wife and the mistress, like confront one another and have this whole very feminist conversation. Um, there's a pregnancy involved, all kinds of stuff. Right. So, and after the play, I was like kind of talking about this and that and whatever. And I just, you know, paused and I was like, hey, like, what did you think about that? And what was your take on that? And, you know, men have a feminist point of view as well. And I think that that's that it is important to invite them into the conversation and, and see where they're coming from, too. Excellent. I am so excited to present next week. I have now full confidence <laughs> I, you know, at first I was like, why me? But then like I was telling you after I did a presentation in front of the comedy cellar in front of an audience that was, they didn't know that I was going to be serious and funny at the same time. It was the most powerful presentation I've ever given. And it means a lot that you have given me this opportunity to reclaim feminism for myself and to really think about the definition. I think that is so important because that brings me back into the community of women on feminist and and helping other helping our community to yeah, equal pay, equity, fair, fairness for all. Right? I mean, that's what we're trying to achieve. And sometimes we do have to have like we do on this podcast several times we have these like really deep conversations. Some of it's not so pretty about, you know, where we are in this uh, conversation. My young assistant putting this this article in about these movies and I was like, I kind of enjoyed these movies. Wait, was something wrong? What happened? Oh, maybe look, I need to look a little deeper at, you know, don't worry, darling and blonde. The young generation is really teaching me. Is there something that the young She's not here to, I was hoping she would join us, but the younger generation, is there something that they're teaching you that you didn't know before? Yeah, I, uh, that's, I'm glad you brought that up because in addition to the diversity of, you know, ethnic backgrounds and socioeconomic backgrounds, we also want to have diversity of voices in the age, right? In at the Women's Fund and our event chair <laughs> is uh, of the the event that you're going to be at that you met last week. She's fantastic. Ashton um, Ashton Henry is fantastic, and um, she definitely brings that. Uh, like it's uh, she's millennial Gen Z. She's kind of on the, the cusp of that and bringing a different perspective. You know, I can't I can't speak to her to uh, you know speak for her, but what I will say is that I think what I have noticed in the younger generation of women is that they are not trying to be polite. Uh -uh. That's they are, right. They are not trying to be polite about things. Um, and I think that we have a lot to learn from them um, as well. The youngest generation, whether you're talking about the youngest millennials who are, you know, just less than 30 or the Gen Zers that are just entering the workforce, I think what we have to leverage more effectively in the women's movement is their ability to connect and convene. You know, they're, they are digital natives. And so they know how to use their voice so powerfully. And so we just need to, at the same time, they know how to use the technical and they know how to get their friends engaged. But what I'm learning is that, that while well, some of them have taken women's history, there's still a lot of history that they don't know. And I think that's where the advantage of the Women's Fund having an intergenerational audience. I assure you, one thing for sure I can say 
Marina, is that you're going to see women who are in their late 20s and early 30s, maybe even a couple of college students. Yes, I can say that there will be some college students there, as well as women well into their 70s and 80s and everything in between. And so what we like to sort of brag about at the Women's Fund is that it's an intergenerational experience. And we want that, right? We want the people who lived experiences for decades before to share their lived experiences with women who are just coming into their adult life and understanding and wrestling with what is this life I'm living as a feminist and as a woman. So I think what we're learning from them is how to better leverage and connect with each other. And what they're learning from, from us is what is the history they're supposed to know? Yes. Yes. You know, it's just like it's just like the ethnic histories that we don't know that are in history books. The history books are still written by white men. And so the, those are the perspectives that are in public school experiences. And I know that there is a great effort by teachers to infuse more information. But at the same time, we saw a lot of concern about what teachers are teaching in this last cycle of 12 months. So the Women's Fund has to take a role in helping women know and learn what they've been taught and what they haven't been taught. I think about that. Um, I'm probably like right in the middle of this demographic. <laughs> um, I'm not, I'm no longer uh, a youngin uh, myself. But again, you know, I kind of came in my lifetime. I really have taken it for granted how recent some of these developments that I benefit from have taken place. And um, one of the other books that we read early on in my time with um, the Women's Fund was one called Broadband. And it was about the women who created the internet. And it was about the women who, and some people might have a little familiarity with this topic because of the movie Hidden Figures and the women, the role that specifically women had and women of color had in um, the NASA program, space program of they were the computers and were the human computers and programmers. And this is kind of how this, how this started in that women were a lot of the brain power um, and labor and force behind coding the internet uh, mathematic um, developments that that helped create the internet. And so I read this book that's all about the history of these women that were critical in developing the internet. And it was a full circle moment for me because I hosted the book read at Mount Mary University where I got my degree in graphic design and coding and, and things like that. And I'm here sitting like I went to a women's university I majored in technology and computers and coding and all this kind of stuff. And 15 years after I graduated, I'm sitting here with the president of the college and women in my community learning about the role that women had in the subject matter that I learn, I earn a living in. Like, what? Why isn't this? Why? Why aren't we? Isn't every student right? <laughs> reading this yeah. book. This is amazing. We don't even know our own contributions. So yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a journey. <laughs> it is a journey. This was such a great conversation, such a necessary conversation at this time, at this specific time when women need to hear from other women about what's going on or other men what's going on and I am so thoroughly excited to be there and um be amongst you, meet you in person not just on the screen and to share my experiences with you. Cause yeah, every woman has a very good story that can help others. I really do believe that. I'm sure there's something in your program after I'm there that you're doing next, or if there's a way that, you know, someone who's in Milwaukee, that's young and, and maybe looking for grants. If that, if there's some information out there, you can give them Lisa. Thank you for being here. Can you speak to that? Uh, sure. I, so I will tell you that the Women's Fund has regular programming. Uh, anyone that was interested, the Women's Fund of Greater Milwaukee has a website with an event tab and a calendar that has things that come that come up. Now we don't have our 2023 programming calendar announced, um, but early in January there will be some programming. We're putting together something that will talk about the Wisconsin Supreme Court and sort of its historical information. It'll have it'll they'll have some component of history, some component of current legislation that's being considered um, in anticipation of the spring election, because there will be a US Supreme Court, I mean a Wisconsin Supreme Court um, justice elected in April. And so in anticipation of that election, we're having this informational session on the Supreme Court. There will also be 
a book read. I don't, don't want to be one book read this year. I don't know what book it will be, but there will be a book read. Um, so there's always information on our event tab for programming that we have uh, coming up. We typically do a theater show, like Marilka mentioned. Um, we go to the theater as a community. We invite people to come to the theater on one night. Everyone buys their own ticket, and we all sit together, and we meet beforehand for a little bit of, um, you know, connectivity, and then talk afterwards as well. So there's always something people can participate in and be a part of the Women's Fund community. And then, of course, uh, anyone could make a gift of any amount. We have people who make $5 gifts. Uh, $5 gifts monthly up to, you know, four and five figure gifts annually. And anything in between is acceptable. And what we found and what I hear often is when people make gifts to the Women's Fund and they give with intention, they feel empowered. They feel differently than they do when they make other contributions when they're responding to what their friends are contributing to. So it might be something to think about just for someone to make a gift and then show up. That's what I tell people. Make a gift and show up. Meet the people like Morilka and Monica and Ashton and get involved in conversation. And before they know it, they're going to be involved in the local women's movement and go on a journey they weren't expecting. The journey of feminism. Hey. Oh, with friends like us, we always get different perspectives. But with friends like us, we always feel connected. You're in New York. Morocco and I are, are at different locations in our own community, but we still can be connected. Just some technology and some pictures on the video screen and voila, I feel like I'm in your living room. Oh, thank you. I feel like I should do like a finger snap. Yes. <laughs> Morocco? Oh my gosh, Marina. I... Um, I'm all in on the women's fund. I'm all in on work career. I told you I'm a real, I'm a girl boss over here. I'm actually studying for my master's in business right now on top of all the things. So yeah, I'm living my life over here, but very excited about what's happening with the women's fund. We, Lisa's not ready to talk about it yet, but we have some exciting things we're going to reveal and announce and work on. Uh, you know, I'm just going to going to hint, you know, I have a, a creative background. So there's going to be some fun, creative things happening at the Women's Fund next year, too. So we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But yeah, no, it's it's all good. I'm really excited to keep um, keep engaged. And I have definitely found a home here with the women's. It's been great welcoming and my friends and my community to be a part of this, too. You know, with friends like us, you've always got a safe place to explore, you know, wherever you are on your journey of feminism. Absolutely. Thank you, ladies. Marina Franklin here. You can just go to my website, marinafranklin.com. And with friends like us, you will learn how to reclaim feminism with the Women's Fund from Milwaukee. Thank you so much. Check, Check us out. out.